Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to him, My master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You guys may be seated. As you take your seat, let's pray together. Our great God, this morning we come before your word and we come to you in the name of Jesus. Our prayer, O God, is that your spirit, is that your spirit would open our minds to understand your word and would open our hearts to receive what you say and would move our wills to follow you and obey you glorify you. Now, Lord, all these things, we know we need your help. In all these things, we know we need your help. So we pray that you would help us now. We do so in the name of Jesus, trusting that you would work and you would speak and you would guide because of Christ and for the glory of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. All right, friends, if you haven't done so, please take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 24, where Lori just read for us. Um, Here at Redeemer, we're working our way through um, the book of Matthew, and in particular, we're working our way through a section of Matthew known as the Olivet Discourse, and it's called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives and he was teaching. Brilliant. But ultimately, what Jesus is talking about in this chapter of Scripture is he's talking about the end, he's talking about judgment, he's talking about the kingdom, and he's talking about when he will come again. And um, as we've been working our way through this passage, um, we've kind of put some, some important truths down. And, and, and the big truth is Christ will come again. And when he comes, there will be eternal 
glory for him and his people. And there will be a judgment for those who reject Christ and reject the ways of God and reject the Messiah. And so right now, we ended last week. But remember, I think it's important, time stamp, they didn't end. Jesus just kept teaching. But we ended last week with this phrase. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So this really pushes us to a question. It's not a bad question, necessarily. When? When will these things happen? And what we're going to see in the verses this morning is that when, while a fair question, is the wrong question. While when is a fair question, it's the wrong question. And Jesus is actually going to give to his people how to be faithful as you wait. How to be faithful as you wait. Now you might say, well, why is when the wrong question? Because if we knew all the when, we would only be faithful when it mattered at the moment. But Jesus has left us in a scenario where he's calling us to be faithful day by day and moment by moment with the promise that he'll come again. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. Um, So in our home, there's me, there's three sons, and there's my wife. And so everybody should hug Suzanne and say, God bless you. (laughs) But but here's here's the reality. When my wife goes out of town, we know when she's coming back. Like, mama's going to be home at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, right? So while mama's gone, we live like it's a frat house. <laughs> the dishwasher? Sabbath. <laughs> Vacuum cleaner? Sabbath. Brooms, dustpans? Sabbath. They're not going to get touched. Until Saturday night about 9 o'clock, and it's going to be like, boys... Mama's coming home. We have failed to live up to our responsibilities. So we have to now live up to our responsibilities. So we clean the kitchen. We clean the floors. We clean our rooms. We do our laundry. We do all the things so that when Mama comes home, the house looks as it did when Mom left. A little better is icing on the cake, okay? But you see what I'm illustrating here. We can only live like a frat house because we know when Mom's coming home. What if she just said, I'll be back sometime before the end of the year? We're going to handle ourselves very differently, right? Just practically, we're going to handle ourselves very, very differently. Well, that doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, we just need to clean and apologize and move forward. But the Lord's saying, I'm returning. And when I return, I'm blessing my, the, the faith of my people by carrying them into a kingdom that will last forever. And when I return, I'm bringing my judgment upon those who are rejecting me. So part of the no one knows the day or the hour is to promote a faithfulness in the people of God. The Lord just knows our flesh and our weakness. Now, friends, when the Bible tells us how to respond to a passage... Call me simple, but I think we should just say this is what the Lord wants from us. And this passage tells us exactly how to respond. The truth, no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows. 
I will return. My word has promised it, and no one knows when. Okay, well, what do we do with that? There's two things. They're right there in the passage. Verse 42, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And then, in the verses 45 through 50, Blessed is the servant whom his master will find doing what he has told him when he comes. So so there it is. Stay awake. Be faithful. Stay awake. Be faithful. The purpose of Jesus' teaching here is to drive us to stay spiritually awake, looking for his return, and to stay spiritually faithful to his word as we look for his return. That's what the Lord wants us to do with this. So anything else is missing the point. It's missing the point. Or maybe I should say anything less is missing the point. So Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour. Therefore, stay awake. Therefore, stay faithful. And so what I'm saying in this sermon is what Jesus is teaching us here is how to stay faithful as we wait on the Lord to come again. Okay? Now, I want to start, before we get into our points, I want to start with verse 36 again. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Now, what does that verse say? This is going to be Sunday school hour here. What's it say? What's, What's the thrust of that verse? No one knows. Right? So let's all just say it out loud. No one knows. And yet, Every month I hear from somebody, well, I was watching the news the other day, and it just convinced me that, and it's, it's some speculation. No one knows. There's some Bible teacher. I was reading a footnote in Syriac, and I'm here to tell you that no one knows. Like, like Jesus said at the beginning of chapter 24, don't be deceived. I'm teaching you these things so you won't be deceived. And millions upon millions upon millions of U.S. dollars have been earned on books that violate verse 36, speculating and predicting. When Jesus is effectively saying, you don't need to know. You need to stay awake. You need to be faithful. And I realize I'm now up here screaming like a slime ball selling a book that (laughs) speculates. Guys, I'm not angry at you, and I'm not even really angry at people that publish books as much as I'm just saying, like, there are very, very few verses of Scripture that are this clear with no caveats. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. That would be one of them. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That would be another of them. And then here's this. Concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. Just like 
Hang that over your mantle. No one knows, so we'll be faithful. No one knows, so we'll stay awake. So if you take nothing else from this sermon, take this. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. And Christ will come at any moment. Build your life off that. Build your life around that. Now, the rest of this sermon is going to try to help us build our life around that. So first point, if you're taking notes, stay awake. So pick it up in verse 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, let's, let's stop right there. Jesus is telling us something about his coming. He's making a parallel. What's the parallel that he's making? Noah and the flood. So if you're new to the scripture, God revealed himself and spoke to a man named Noah, and he said, I'm wiping the evil off the face of the earth, and I want you to build a massive ark, and I'm going to tell you exactly who and what to bring onto the ark. And when I flood the earth, the only people who will survive are those who are in the ark. And so the parallel that Jesus is saying is is Noah built the ark. Noah put all the right animals on the ark. Noah and his family got on the ark, and then the world just kept marching along. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're the town with the boat people. (laughs) Yeah, look at them, the boat people. And then it started raining. And then it kept raining. And then it kept raining. And the scripture rightly says, they all were washed away by the flood while those in the ark were preserved. Okay, That's the story of Noah's ark. And Jesus is bringing that here. So what was the rain in that story? It was the judgment of God. Who was washed away in that story? It was the unfaithful, not the faithful. Okay? Now, all I'm I'm giving you is what Jesus is saying. Everybody with me so far? Now, Jesus says, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. So it will be. There will be a blessing of the faithful. Jesus is the ark. And there will be a washing away. So Jesus keeps going. So we see here, the coming of Jesus will be swift. It will be immediate. It is a parallel with the flood, which means we should always be ready and always be alert. Verse 40. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. So Jesus is saying, like, it's going to be swift. It's going to be immediate. And some people are going to be separated. Now, there's a great linguistic debate you can dive into in verses 40 and 41 about who's going to be taken and who's going to be left. Um, I'm content this morning to say that one will be taken and one will be left and one will be with the Lord and one will be under judgment. I was recently speaking with a Bible translator who helped me understand that 
on this particular verse, like in some languages, you can't just say taken. You, gotta, you, you have to use words that say taken where? Like who is going to be taken? And so, so if we, I think if we follow the parallel of Noah, we would say that those who are taken are actually the ones who are taken into judgment. And those who are left will meet the Lord who is returning. Others could have historically interpreted this as those who are taken are taken to the four winds to be with the Lord and those who are left will face judgment. I think the important thing is Christ is coming. He's coming in an instant. He's coming in a moment. And when he comes, what he is bringing will be swift and be immediate. So any theological position that makes us think there's gonna be some warning where we can get our stuff together because the master's coming back, I think is missing the point of what Jesus is saying. He's coming without warning. And when he comes, we are who we are and we will face what we will face. Just keep reading. Verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would, have, would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So what Jesus is basically saying is like, if I told you like, hey, you're going to get robbed tonight at 2.15 a.m. You're going to set an alarm for about 1.45, right? You're going to get up. You're going to get some defense mechanisms and you're going to go sit on the front porch, right? If you're really intense, you might put your spouse on the back porch. Do that however you want to. But what Jesus is effectively saying is, hey, you're going to get robbed. I'm not going to tell you when. You're going to prepare differently, correct? Jesus is saying, look, I'm returning. And when I return, be ready to meet your God. When I return, be ready to face the Lord. So I have three kind of implications for us here. Number one, don't be deceived. No one knows the day or the hour. So if, if your understandings of the coming of Christ are causing you to fall into a lethargy that says, I can live however I want to live and I'll clean my life up later, you're being deceived. You're being deceived. No one knows the day or the hour. Be ready. Second, I want to speak to an unbeliever. And when I say an unbeliever, I mean somebody who knows that they are not a child of Jesus. Someone who knows that they are not following Jesus. Someone who knows that you are not by faith, repenting of sin and believing that Christ lived, died, and rose again to forgive your sin and make you a child of God. If that's who you are today, I'm trying to soften my disposition. I'm not good at it. So just see a very soft, warm face right here. Okay. We're so glad that you're here this morning. We're so glad that you're here this morning. What this passage is saying is that Christ is coming again. And if you don't repent, if you don't believe, and you don't turn to him, then when he comes, you will stand in your rebellion and in your sin. And you will face what your rebellion and sin deserve from a righteous and holy God. And friend, I don't want that for you. I would plead with you today to consider Jesus. Consider him. Consider his word. 
Consider his gospel. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I would love to help you consider Jesus today. Come find me. Come find Austin. He was up here on the stage earlier. Come find anybody that you've seen on the stage. Heck, just tap the person next to you and say, I need help considering Jesus. If they can't help you, they'll find someone who would. But, but this is a day to consider Christ. Third, to the believers in the room, to those of us who have repented of our sin, have professed faith in Jesus, who are following Christ, who are part of his church, I don't think our takeaway from this passage is that we need to live in fear. I don't think that's the takeaway from this passage. If we're in Christ, we have nothing to fear. But I do think this passage would call for a good self-analysis. Where am I yielding to sin and walking in disobedience? Where am I failing to believe that I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus and not by my good performance? We don't have to fear the coming of Jesus if we're in Christ. Quite frankly, we should long for it. We should long for it. Fourth. I said three. I'm making them up now. Four. We should take this language about Two people at a mill and two people in a field and one of them not returning. We should take that seriously. When we think about our kids, our parents, our cousins, our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends who are separated from the Lord. We should, we should think about them and pray for them with some urgency and speak the gospel with some clarity and some urgency. So Jesus says, I'm returning, stay awake. Second, I'm returning, stay faithful. This is verses 45 through 51. Jesus asked the question, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing what he's commanded, doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set the faithful servant over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed, And begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he does not know. And he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, it's a nice uplifting end. Amen. So what Jesus is ultimately saying is... His followers are his servants. We're his servants. We're his servants. And he's left us with tasks to do. 
Follow him. Believe in him. Trust his word. Connect with his people. Preach the gospel. Live by faith. Love our neighbors. Love our God. He's called us to faithfulness. So Jesus is using this story of the faithful servant to compel his people to be found faithful when he returns. To be found faithful when he returns. Don't delay in faithfulness to God. Don't delay in faithfulness to the word and the directives of the Lord. There's a strange tension in following Christ. Our faithfulness will never redeem us. Only Christ will. And yet, we who have been redeemed are called to faithfully follow our King, Jesus. So if you're a young person looking for a vision for your life, here it is. Be faithful to Jesus. Always and everywhere. I promise, I promise, that'll keep you busy. I promise. I also promise it's good and right and worth it to follow after Jesus in this world. So here's some questions. If I'm a Christian, do I know what Jesus would want from me? Question mark. Do I know what faithfulness looks like? If not, seek out a friend or a brother to help you or sister help you in guidance. Number two, if I know what the Lord desires, do I know how to take a step toward him in faithfulness? And number three, will what's preventing me from taking a step right now? What's preventing me from taking a step right now? So let, let me help you out here. Jesus said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. If you're a married man, there's a... There's, there's a female part of this side too. Wives, love your husbands as Christ loved the church. If you're married, then this is what God wants from you. He's already told you. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to fast to seek it out. He's given it to you. Now, what you may need to pray about and fast about is whether or not you are being faithful, how you could be more faithful, and how to take a step. But the Lord's spoken in his word. God said in the Ten Commandments, do not steal. It would be the will of the Lord that you would not be a thief. Period. 
Now, how do I take a step toward not being a thief, to walk in faithfulness? And what's preventing me from taking that step? One of the things that I see, I'm 44 years old, I think. I'm not good at math. I'm 44. Um, What I see in my generation and down is there's more mental health talk in our generation than probably in a generation before. And that's actually a good thing because junk swept under the rug that we don't identify and deal with causes all kinds of problems, okay? But hear me out. You don't have to get all your mental health stuff fixed to obey Christ. You can pursue healing. You can pursue dealing with childhood issues. You can pursue family of origin, help, and obey Jesus at the same time. This is not either or, but I feel like often I sense this mentality of, well, I got this whole truckload of stuff I got to fix, and then I'll start. You guys kind of understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, what if you could fix the truckload while you start? That's the vision that I would have. So if you're here today and you're a counselor, keep doing it. If you're here today and you're going to counseling, keep going. If you're here today and you need a counselor, come talk to me. I will connect you. All this stuff matters as long as it's pushing us to be faithful to the Lord through and through. Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son of Man, but the Father only. So, stay awake. Stay faithful. Our Father and our God, would you please take this word of your scripture And speak it to your people. Would you convict us where we need to be convicted? Would you stir us where we need to be stirred? Would you give us confidence and hope where we need confidence and hope that we might walk in your ways? We pray all this now in Jesus' name.